All healthcare professionals participating in this podcast are paid consultants of Johnson & Johnson Surgical Vision Incorporated. The content of this podcast represents the views and experiences of the speaker and not Johnson & Johnson and is intended for informational purposes only. The podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Product indication and safety information will be available at the end of the episode. Welcome to this episode of Fine Tuned. My name is Rana Jaraha, and today we will be speaking with Dr. Caroline Rocha of Charleston, South Carolina, and Dr. Elizabeth Yu of Norfolk, Virginia. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Ocular biometry is a field that continues to take evolutionary steps forward. Let's start by discussing the two most common IOL power calculation formulas, the Barrett Universal 2 and the Hill Radial Basis Function. Can you share when you are using these and why? Dr. Yu, let's start with you. We are so fortunate for Graham Barrett and his contributions to our more modern lens formulas, and he's done a ton of work in this area. If you look at the different studies, the Barrett Universal 2 really does quite well across the board, particularly amongst average and longer axial lengths. So it makes it simple for that to be my default formula. However, there are studies that show that if the axial length is shorter than 22 millimeters, there's not one formula that has a clear advantage. Thus, when I have an eye that is shorter than 22 millimeters, I'll use both the Barrett Universal 2 compared to the Holiday 1 formula. Then after I operate on the first eye, I'll look at where the prediction refractive error landed, and I'll go back and check to see which IOL formula was closest to that specific spherical equivalent outcome. And if there is one formula that is closer to it than another, I will lean towards using that specific formula for the second eye. Um, I studied by Malice and colleagues looking at more than 13,000 eyes demonstrated that across the board, actually, the Barrett Universal 2 was very precise, not only normal eyes, but across the entire range of short and long eyes, flat and steep corneas. The Hill RBF, the Hill Radio Basis Function, that is actually not a formula, right, is based in artificial intelligence and does not use any calculations. It uses actually pattern recognition and sophisticated data interpolation. And as more uh, surgical outcomes fit to the Hill RBF, it continues to become more precise. We are now at version three, and I truly believe this is going to be the future. When are you using these formulas? Where are you accessing them? Great question. So the Hill RBF can be found on LensStar, and all the other formulas are housed on the Iowa Master, in addition to the LensStar. So they can also be found online, either on the ASCRS website or uh, rbfcalculator.com. Great. What other considerations are either of you making for post-LASIK eyes? Dr. Rocha, let's start with you. Excellent. So for post-LASIK eyes, so patients, they need special considerations. We're finding not just the actual corneal power, but also the effective lens position. So the ACRS website has very helpful information on post-LASIK formulas for both post-myopic and hyperopic LASIK PRK cases. You can enter all the data and it gives you a really nice range of recommended IOLs. But we know that the Barrett-True-K formula is very precise in these cases. And Dr. Yu? 
I totally agree with Dr. Rosha. My go-to formula for post-LASIK, hyperopic, myopic, or post-RKIs is the Bare True K formula. But like Dr. Rosha, I also like to go to the ASCRS post-refractive calculator because I want to know the range between the lowest IOL that's being recommended and the highest IOL that's being recommended. Because if there is a significant difference between the two, that suggests to me that there is a greater irregularity on the corneal surface and higher potential for a surprise post-operative result. What about in patients with astigmatism? Dr. Yu? When we're looking at corneal astigmatism, the first thing that we want to do is topographically see if it is regular or irregular astigmatism. And then it is important to also look at the patient's ocular surface. We're very fortunate that with all the multifocal IOLs available, as well as with the Technus Symphony EDOF lens, they all come in versions that correct for at least one diopter of astigmatism or more. If there is irregular corneal astigmatism, a toric lens implantation should not be recommended. For keratoconus patients, especially with those patients who have very irregular astigmatism without a central area of consistent meridian with their astigmatism, this is where a toric lens implant should not be utilized. And again, if the astigmatism is being induced because of ocular surface disease, notably dry eye disease, anterior basement membrane dystrophy, or Saltzman's nodular degeneration, all of this needs to be addressed first before refractive astigmatism management should occur. Hmm. And, and Dr. Rosha? Dr. Yu, great points. The only thing I would add to that is the need to account for posterior corneal astigmatism, the PCA, and I am more aggressive when correcting against the rule of astigmatism because the posterior cornea compensates for with the rule of astigmatism. For example, if a patient has one diopter, 1.25 diopters or more of with the rule, I will use a toric IOL. But if a patient, uh, even with 0.75 diopters of against the rule of astigmatism, this patient may be a candidate for a toric IOL. How does the latest technology improve the reliability of your measurements? Do you feel like you need the very latest in equipment? You know, there's a lot of great technology and we do a lot of research. So we have a, a quite bit in our clinic because I'm in academics. So I use the Placido Disc Topographer for anterior corneal power and the Pentakin Shine Fluke Camera. Uh, my biometer is the IOL Master 700, which now includes the Barry TK total keratometry, universal two formula, based on telecenter keratometry and swap source OCT. There are some publications showing that it's even better than the Barrett Universal 2 using case only. We also have the NIDAC OPD and the eye tracy, which uh, has ray tracing, wavefront, and corneal topography. So this allows me to look at the entire eye and corneal wavefront and calculate internal aberrations and astigmatism. All of this is not necessary. I think you just need a good topographer and a biometer. And it's just because I am in academics and I do a lot of research uh, that I use all of this. Got it. I understand. Dr. Yu? 
All of the optical biometers are extremely accurate, not only in determining the axial length values, but also in their keratometry values. So you can use those as one of your sources for identifying astigmatism. But I do believe that having a second source for identifying corneal astigmatism should absolutely at least be a placido disc topographer, because that will really guide you to see how normal or abnormal a patient's corneal surface actually is and what the regularity of the astigmatism is. A biometer can't tell you if they have regular or irregular astigmatism. It can only tell you the amount and at which meridian the astigmatism is occurring. Newer biometers may provide some level of artificial intelligence as well to help identify what lens implant is best given the patient's unique irregularity of the cornea. Do we need all of this? Do we need an intraoperative aberometer in order to get accurate results? I believe the answer is no here. I think that we do need to have at least two sources an optical biometer, and a placido disc topographer in order to accurately identify the patient's corneal astigmatism with good preoperative measurements. Together with the different IOL formulas, you can get within the corrected range. However, it does mean that there's more work that needs to be done on the front end. I will say that newer technologies and software do help with speed, efficiency, and accuracy in many cases. I know that both of you feel very strongly about the role of the ocular surface in achieving the cataract outcomes you're looking for. Can you both elaborate on this? Sure. I recently had a patient that had three diopters of astigmatism. This patient would, had, would have been a candidate for a torque lens, but after treating the ocular surface, the patient came back and only had 0.5 diopters of astigmatism. It was just ocular surface uh, irregularity masquerading as astigmatism. So obviously, there uh, can be a lot of issues if you don't investigate and treat dry eye disease. The placido disc topography can even be a great dry eye test because if your readings are irregular or not reproducible, if your numbers are all over the place, you want to rule out dry eye disease. Ocular surface management is everything when it comes to IOL calculations. It's so important to me that I get my biography as well on all of my cataract evaluations. We know that 86% of dry eye disease has a meibomian gland component to it. So I want to know exactly what is going on with their meibomian gland architecture. That being said, you can look for ocular surface disease by doing exactly what Dr. Rocha said and looking at the regularity of the placido disc image on the topographer and making sure that there is device-to-device consistency with the magnitude and the meridian of the astigmatism. For me, the margin of error that I feel that is acceptable is about a quarter power difference between the amount of astigmatism amongst the devices, as well as the average corneal power differences between the devices should also be about a quarter diopter in power. I also don't want a meridian difference of more than maybe three to five degrees. Um, outside of that, merits a full examination for dry disease and most likely treatment for it. That's great advice. What are your post-operative astigmatic goals for your patients? And do they change with the rule and against the rule? 
My goal is always to leave the patient either astigmatically neutral or slightly with the rule. I generally never flip the patient to be against the rule. Studies do demonstrate that over time, we gain anterior against the rule astigmatism. So if I have a patient who is younger than 65 years of age, I'm more apt to leave them with about a quarter diopter of with the rule astigmatism because they are quite young and are going to trend towards against the rule over time. We have learned from studies using adaptive optics technology that residual astigmatism can really negatively impact patients with premium IOLs. So if you're, if you're using the Technus Symphony IOL or a Technus Multifocal IOL, you really want to address the astigmatism. Are both of you tracking your outcomes and making adjustments to your calculations? Sure, I do, especially with new lenses that come out. I'm looking at these patients at one week and post-op month one, and even with a very small sample group of patients, I want to know if I'm ending up a little more myopic or a little bit hyperopic and exactly how I should make adjustments. Also, in this early period, I'm talking to my colleagues and checking to see how they are doing. There is the most variability when we first start with a new lens or technology, so it's important to track our performance from the beginning. In the past, when we used larger incisions, there was more surgically-induced astigmatism. But with smaller incisions and improved formulas, we don't frequently have big surprises. That being said, it is like Dr. Yu stated, we need to track our, our outcomes to know how we're doing and make sure our patients are happy. I see my patients one day and one week after surgery and make any necessary adjustments between the first and second eye. Thank you both so much for your time. You've provided a lot of great insights into the complexity of modern biometry. To our listeners, be sure to subscribe so you know when the next episode of Fine Tune is out. Indications and important safety information for Technus Symphony and Technus Symphony Toric extended range of vision IOLs, prescription only. Indications The Technus Symphony extended range of vision IOL model ZXR00 is indicated for primary implantation for the visual correction of aphakia in adult patients with less than one diopter of pre existing corneal astigmatism in whom a cataracturous lens has been removed. The Technus Symphony Toric Extended Range of Vision IOLs models ZXT150, ZXT225, ZXT300, and ZXT375 are indicated for primary implantation for the visual correction of aphakia and for reduction of residual refractive astigmatism in adult patients with greater than or equal to one diopter of preoperative corneal astigmatism in whom a cataracturous lens has been removed. These models of IOLs, ZXR00, ZXT150, ZXT225, ZXT300, and ZXT375, mitigate the effects of presbyopia by providing an extended depth of focus. Compared to an aspheric monofocal IOL, these models of IOLs provide improved intermediate and near visual acuity while maintaining comparable distance visual acuity. These models of IOLs are intended for capsular bag placement only. Warnings. Patients with any of the conditions described in the directions for use may not be suitable candidates for an intraocular lens because the lens may exacerbate an existing condition, may interfere with diagnosis or treatment of a condition, or may pose an unreasonable risk to the patient's eyesight. Lenses should not be placed in the ciliary sulcus, may cause a reduction in contrast sensitivity under certain conditions, compared to an aspheric monofocal IOL. Fully inform the patient of this risk before implanting the lens. 
Special consideration should be made in patients with macular disease, amblyopia, corneal irregularities, or other ocular disease. Inform patients to exercise special caution when driving at night or in poor visibility conditions. Some visual effects may be expected due to the lens design, including a perception of halos, glare, or starbursts around lights under nighttime conditions. These will be bothersome or very bothersome in some people, particularly in low illumination conditions and on rare occasions may be significant enough that the patient may request removal of the IOL. Rotation of the Technus Symphony toric IOLs away from their intended axis can reduce their astigmatic correction, and misalignment greater than 30 degrees may increase postoperative refractive cylinder. If necessary, lens repositioning should occur as early as possible prior to lens encapsulation. Precautions. Interpret results with caution when refracting using autorefractors or wavefront aberometers that utilize infrared light or when performing a duochrome test. Confirmation of refraction with maximum plus manifest refraction technique is recommended. The ability to perform some eye treatments, for example, retinal photocoagulation, may be affected by the optical design. Target emetropia for optimum visual performance. Care should be taken to achieve IOL centration, as lens decentration may result in a patient experiencing visual disturbances under certain lighting conditions. For the Technus Symphony Toric IOL, variability in any preoperative surgical parameters, for example, keratometric cylinder, incision location, surgeon's estimated surgically induced astigmatism and biometry, can influence patient outcomes. Carefully remove all viscoelastic and do not overinflate the capsular bag at the end of the case to prevent lens rotation. Serious adverse events. The most frequently reported serious adverse events that occurred during the clinical trial of the Technus Symphony lens were cystoid macular edema, 2i, 0.7%, and surgical reintervention, treatment injections for cystoid macular edema, and endophthalmitis, 2i, 0.7%. No lens-related adverse events occurred during the trial. Attention, reference the directions for use for a complete listing of indications and important safety information. Indications and important safety information for the Technus Multifocal One-Piece IOLs, prescription only. Indications, the Technus Multifocal One-Piece Intraocular Lenses are indicated for primary implantation for the visual correction of aphakia in adult patients with and without presbyopia in whom a catheterous lens has been removed by phacal emulsification and who desire near, intermediate, and distance vision with increased spectacle independence. The intraocular lenses are intended to be placed in the capsular bag. Warnings. Physicians considering lens implantation should weigh the potential risk-benefit ratio for any conditions described in the directions for use that could increase complications or impact patient outcomes. Multifocal IOL implants may be inadvisable in patients where central visual field reduction may not be tolerated, such as macular degeneration, retinal pigment epithelium changes, and glaucoma. But lenses should not be placed in the ciliary sulcus. Inform patients about the possibility that a decrease in contrast sensitivity and an increase in visual disturbances may affect their ability to drive a car under certain environmental conditions, such as driving at night or in poor visibility conditions. Precautions. Prior to surgery, inform prospective patients of the possible risks and benefits associated with the use of this device and provide a copy of the patient information brochure to the patient. The long-term effects of intraocular lens implantation have not been determined. Secondary glaucoma has been reported occasionally in patients with controlled glaucoma who receive lens implants. Do not reuse, re-sterilize, or autoclave. Adverse events. The rates of surgical reinterventions, most of which were non-lens related, were statistically higher than the FDA grid rate for both the ZMB00 plus 4 diopter and ZLB00 plus 3.25 diopter lens models. 
For the ZMB00, the surgical reintervention rates were at 3.2% for the first eyes and 3.3% for second eyes. The reintervention rate was 3.3% for both the first and second eyes in the ZLB00 group. Attention! Reference the directions for use for a complete listing of indications and important safety information.